one. And I think, uh, like, uh, towards the end, once we're, like, kind of wrapping it up, maybe we can kind of compare and maybe do, like, a ranking of uh, of all three. But, uh, yeah, just uh, generally, what did, you, uh, what did you think of this one? Yeah, um, you know, I liked it a lot. I feel like this one... It uh, definitely seemed uh, a bit more um, realistic and, like, kind of drawn in uh, than both Suspiria and Inferno. Um, a little less to do with the, uh, uh, like, the dark and arcane, uh, sort of, uh, uh, spirits and, uh, energies and, uh, mysticism and things like that. A little bit more of kind of a straightforward, just, uh, murder mystery. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, this being kind of the, uh, Genesis kind of push off of, like, uh, the Giallo, um, at least like Argento's stake in the, in the Giallo, um, push. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you got like the, um, the, the frustratingly inept beautiful women, um, and I will, I will go back to that because god damn the women frustrate me so much in this. Uh, just how they're written, because god damn they are. <laughs> oh, I know. There were, I think that it's, it'll be curious to see if we both have the same scene in mind. Cause there are a few, but there's one in particular that yeah. is just like, I feel particularly upsetting. In terms of like, you, you want to sit down with 1970s Dario Argento and be like, man, you know women understand how doors work, right? <laughs> but. Yeah, there's there's zero chance we're talking about different things. No, it's got to be different. Um, uh, uh, but beautiful, beautiful women. Um, uh, dumb is dumber than a doornail. Um, and this is really good for just screaming and fainting. Um, and uh, <laughs> um, and then uh, yeah, I um. Uh, a killer that is is only shown in parts, um, you know, black leather gloves and a knife that you follow, um, just an eye, you know, like that leering, like you said before, I think is a good word that really really nails it on the head. Um, this is this is a voyeuristic movie, like through and through. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it even yeah. opens with like the developing of the photo and stuff. Exactly. And, yeah. 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 Straight on. And then, yeah, um, more. Uh, not for the only time. Um, you're you're put into the first person uh, of the of the killer. Um, that's the first perspective you take on. Actually, is yeah, is you're you're taking the you're taking the the camera photo. You know the the camera photo. Right. The the, the shots of uh, of the woman just uh, traversing, so you feel like a creeper like right away. Which is like the first time the music kicks in, which is really cool. Um, I really liked that first introduction to the music. I thought I was going to be really, really jamming with it. It kind of died away and it got a little weird. Um, but for the most part, I liked it. Um, I thought Inferno was a little bit more of a, of an awesome jam. But, uh, yeah. Though, interesting though, because like, sort of incredible to think about, you know, his first feature film, he got Ennio Morricone to do the soundtrack. Yeah. You know, I think it's like, Pretty stunning, and I, there's an interview on the the DVD 
Uh, shout out to Arrow Video. Please sponsor us. Uh, the DVD of uh, Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Where, like, Argento's just like, oh, yeah, Morricone was a friend of my father's. And I asked him to do, like, a jazzy noir soundtrack. And he, and I, like, gave him some examples. And he told me that uh, if I wanted him to make music that sounded like someone else, I should go to someone else. (laughs) I guess, like, basically Morricone, like, refused to take any notes and just did his own thing. But it it turned out, you're right, the soundtrack, like, that opening is, like, kind of the most striking, and then it it plays less of a role than in Suspiria or Inferno. Kind of gets a little bit more abstract, uh, a little bit more scattered. There's just kind of, like, some bare bones uh, drumming. Um, The part that comes to mind is that that shootout. I really like that shootout scene. Um, Oh, yeah. I guess I guess uh, uh, I'm kind of jumping into plot synopsis now, but um, uh, so our, our our male protagonist uh, Jack is his name. I'm not entirely sure, but um, uh, they're they're in Italy. Um, he is uh, an aspiring writer, uh, taught in uh, writer's block, and uh, he's just kind of traipsing through town, and um, he witnesses. Um, uh, just kind of two two figures kind of just doing this awkward-ass shuffle at the top of uh, uh, this grandiose uh, staircase. It's all it's all glass and, and extremely well lit. So if you're going to do, like, a murder, that's obviously the place to do it. Um, and it's this art gallery. And uh, so he goes, and um, it's something, I forget what, but uh, anyway, he's, He's going, and uh, the woman is, like, staggering around. Uh, the man uh, just kind of skips off after jumping down the stairs <laughs> in a dubious <laughs> way. And, like, a one-star out of five parkour move, and he just kind of jogs off. And uh, uh, so, so I'm, not, I'm not talking about the car chase scene anymore because I'm going to get too wrapped up in talking about this. But I thought that was a really cool scene. Um, that I hadn't seen in like a, like a, an early, like a 1970s, you know, like horror movie before, where he's like, now he's just stuck kind of in this glass, um, sort of atrium, and, uh, the woman is, <laughs> God, fuck this woman. Uh, <laughs> she's just kind of, uh, holding her stab wound and making, um, just these awful sounds of someone dying, um, not like awful in that they're, they're disturbing, but like awful in that they're just like very strange and unconvincing and <laughs> very weird sounding. Um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're super <laughs> bizarre. It was so, it was so bizarre. There are so many instances of very bizarre, uh, stuff, but that was like, that was a little bit freaky. I was a little bit freaked out at that because he's like, he's just like, walked in and just, like, has to, like, watch this woman just, like, die uh, in front of him um, or, like, bleed out at the very least. Um, she she recovers. Um, and uh, so there's that. But, uh, yeah, he's just kind of stuck there for a while, and that'd be just, like, horrifying, you know? Oh, yeah. And the, like, just, like, him trying to get attention from the people on the street. It's, and you That's sort of realize, like, He's just all alone, watching yeah. this horrible thing. He he is an Italian. 
he's an Italian. That does bring me to uh, one of my favorite lines. Um, why won't you leave him alone? He isn't even Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought brilliantly encapsulates all that. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I, yeah, I, so I, just I to... to adopt that into my life, uh, just kind of whenever I get into a pickle. Um, right, okay, I'm not Italian. <laughs> I do, like, like everything else that we've talked about in, uh, in the previous three episodes, uh, for our listeners, the spoilers abound, so watch mm-hmm. out for those. Um, and kind of like the other conversations, and if you're comfortable with us sort of just bouncing around, I'm comfortable with it. I think we've introduced the, I guess we haven't introduced <laughs> The general premise of the movie. Maybe I'll do that real quick, and then and then I would like to talk about the painter and the cat. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, from from the situation you described, where he's sort of trapped in the in the glass mezzanine, and the the woman is bleeding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might have just misused the word mezzanine. I don't know what that word means. No, um, I, think, I think what you did was uh, correct my use of the word atrium. Um, and, no, and but atrium might have been correct. I think you were right, and that I am wrong. Mm. <laughs> All right. This is anyway. a podcast with two people unconvinced of themselves and convinced of each other. <laughs> they, you know, they, the woman that he saw uh, in the scuffle is not dead. Um, so the police are trying to figure out who attacked her, um, who attacked who attacks her, and and they think it might be linked to another murder, and then someone else turns up dead, and the, this writer from America, like, they, the police take his passport, so he can't go back home, so he's kind of stuck there, and he starts, like, obsessing over what he saw and the rest of the case, and his, his girlfriend, who's a model, um, who's also not Italian, so you can't yell at her either, um, she... Yeah is, like, at first really reluctant to get involved, but then she kind of joins in, and it all sort of centers around, like, this painting at a junk shop of, like, something horrible happening in, like, the snow, and it just turns into this bizarre mystery where uh, the writer's trying to figure things out, sort of working with the police, and sort of flying off the handle. Um, And, yeah, so the whole time, and... um, But eventually... Uh, he tracks down the painter of this painting that is linked because one of the women who died, um, like, worked at this junk shop and, like, the last thing she did before she was killed was she sold this painting of, like, what appears to be a murder in a field or an assault in a field. Um, And so they track down the painter and he lives so far away, like, he tested some crazy train, and then he's just out in the middle of nowhere. There are, like, two sequences in the movie, three sequences in the movie that I love and that are maybe some of the most, like, visually striking things I've seen in a while and that, like, work really well, especially, like, in a crime movie like this. Like, they're just so bizarre and out there. And this is one of them. Um, He gets to the cat, to the painter's house, and it's all boarded up. And the painter, like, sees him on the ground outside the house from, like, the second mm-hmm. story, shouts down, and then, like, passes him a ladder. Aggressively, so, like, yeah. Yeah, super aggressively. So, like, 
he doesn't come down and open the door. He has to climb up through the through the window. And then there are just cats everywhere. And the guy's got these, like, kind of abstract, half-finished paintings. And then, like, shortly thereafter, it's revealed that they've been eating cats. You know, they sit down. <laughs> this is, like, an aside. This, like, yeah. painter yeah. is just, like... Right, one of the cats escapes, and uh, the man, the artist, uh, the reclusive artist, uh, just like kind of maniacally like uh, chases after the cat um, in a very weird, not not reasonable way, and uh, uh, you know, catches it and desperately like you know gets it by the scruff of the neck and opens his door, and uh, there's a chicken coop, and it's like full of these cats, and uh, you know, writer guys like. Uh, He's very, like, nonplussed in a lot of very stressful situations. So he's very, like, kind of just, uh, you know, casual about, like, oh, well, why do you keep them uh, locked up in cages? And uh, the artist is like, oh, well, unless they move uh, as fast as they get. And, uh, <laughs> you know, our little uh, amateur detective still has his feet back together. And uh, they're like, well, why do you want them to be so fast? Like, well, because yeah, I eat them. And it's about like thirty seconds before he's like, "Oh!" <laughs> and then he sees this like yellowish cat flesh on a dish, <laughs> and his reaction after that is like, "It's so funny." It's just like, "Oh no! Oh no! Oh no!" <laughs> Do you mean I have eaten the cat? <laughs> And then shortly after, he just goes tracing back into the murder mystery, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty much unchanged. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that didn't... <laughs> there are... Uh, that seems... supermodel wife, like, asked him, like, well, was it worth it? Did you learn anything? And if he was honest, he would be like, fuck no, what a waste of time that was for both me and the length of this movie. Um, but obviously it wasn't a waste, because it was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Um, I, I, two things, three things I love the most about, um, I think the artist is the most fleshed out character, um, <laughs> and in the least amount of time, fleshed out being upon him, uh, him fleshing up to the cat. Um, it's a pretty fleshy movie. Pretty fleshy. Pretty fleshy. Definitely not, like, as gory and fleshy as, uh, uh the other two that we saw. This one's, this one's a little bit more just, like, kind of. Um, you see like a, like a, like a nice swipe at the camera and then like a shot of like, yeah, rather, um, a little cheesy, but yeah, we're like, the other ones were like a bit more, bit more visceral, but, um, uh, my favorite, favorite bit of dialogue probably in the whole movie is, uh, he's going in the, uh, when, uh, our writer protagonist is like looking around and he sees all the paintings and stuff. Um, and they're like a lot more abstract because the um the painting in question is like this landscape and it's just this woman being stabbed on like a snowy hilltop in the foreground. And um and like and uh so <laughs> he's uh, uh he's asking about like the uh like the art style and he's like, Oh uh, yeah, I'm uh yeah, I'm uh, like a lot more mystical and he's like, Well why why is that? I'm feeling mystical. That's why they're looking mystical now. Um, 
And then, and then the whole revelation happens with the cat, and he decides that he's disgusted with that, and you know, he, he doesn't really want to deal with the with the cat eating artist. Um, and so he uh, he's escaping down the ladder, and the guy's still trying to sell his art, but he starts at yeah. like two hundred thousand, one hundred thousand. 50,000 is like his desperation. He just wants to eat more cats. He just kind of, you know, and then he just chucks the whole canvas out the window at him. <laughs> I thought it was like, yeah, that's, that's about how, like, the, the devaluation of an art versus, like, their, <laughs> their art. <laughs> right. He's like, oh. <laughs> like, somebody tried to sell Argento a painting. And uh, he put the scene verbatim into the movie. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I just I like that scene a lot. That was really good. And it's weird. It's like in in all the Argento movies we've watched so far, there is like at least one scene that's just sort of like peak madness for maybe no reason. And this this might yeah. be that scene. Yeah, yeah, like it's uh, like this very. Um, isolated, it has fuck all to do with the, the plot, um, as far as, like, with the way it carries to the plot, but is, uh, far and away, like, the most, like, spectacular or amusing in some way. I, I'd agree with that. There's, there's at least one of those in every one so far. I, I'd say this is that. So, so in, uh, I forget the context, but, um, uh, the writer is out, uh, walking with his, uh, with his wife, with his model wife, um, they're kind of walking the streets, but they're getting tailed, uh, and, like, the wife is like, that guy's been following us for hours, which, like, you know, even after, like, 20 minutes, you'd probably make a remark, um, <laughs> so the fact that she's just been, like, noticing it, and, like, two hours later, she's like, oh, okay, I should probably mention this, um, and also because, right. like, they're the only two people, like, these are very empty streets, <laughs> they did not have Right, it is not peak. Yeah. Tourism season. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So the the writer is like, oh no, he's uh he's you know our uh he's our muscle. They uh um you know we've been threatened enough, and there's enough uh, you know the, the local authorities want uh, want us to be protected. So he's here to protect us. And uh, within the minute, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> this car <laughs> comes uh, careening down careening at, like, probably, like, 25 miles an hour. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a cautious careen. <laughs> it's a gentle like, careen. Not, like, reckless abandon. Like, there's some wreck in the abandon. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, not as wreckful as could be, but... Um, yeah, it very casually runs over... Um, the guy that was tailing them, and then uh, and then <laughs> uh, thus begins a uh, um, actually a pretty cool uh, chase scene in the in the in the town. I really like all the um, location shooting and lighting throughout all of it. Uh, even though the the action itself is pretty campy, um, and uh, right now, oh sweet, and the guy that they they cast for that the uh, the villain. He's like his face looks so good for it. He looks like yeah, he has a fucked up face. Yeah, he looks like a like an Italian like. Um, he, <laughs> no, uh, he looks like uh, Jesus. 
I'm I'm totally blanking. Um, Footloose. Uh oh, uh, the guy's dead now. Um, dead Kevin Bacon. Foot. No, no, he doesn't look no, like Kevin Bacon. I was, I was thinking of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of the guy from Dirty Dancing. Oh, 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 is the guy from Dirty Dancing dead? Maybe. <laughs> I thought so. Dude, you. You have the skill set that you're like running TMZ right now. <laughs> this is this is all like the this is overcompetency for like frankly this is like overqualification for like what they have running the TMZ. <laughs> it's like right. Thank wait, you. Who was like oh Patrick Swayze? Yeah. So okay. So I'm googling Patrick Swayze, and the first thing that comes up is Patrick Swayze ghost. So he must be dead. <laughs> no, I think he's in a movie. Ghost. <laughs> oh. Oh God! This this got less fun. He did die. Uh, he died in two thousand nine. Oh no! <laughs> okay. Well, um, <laughs> called it. <laughs> oh man, I was really hoping we could just slam dunk on you know <laughs> dead celebrities twelve years after they died. <laughs> oh, we still can. Take it, take it, so easy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, but yeah, this uh, this guy uh, the, looks uh, more like Kevin Bacon than Patrick Swayze. He looks like yeah, he's got like, a slick back, like a like a he's been smoking for like forty years, even though Kevin Bacon is like thirty five in my mind. Um, and uh, yeah, he's just got this slick ass coat. I want that coat so bad. Me too. Yeah, he looks yeah. like he looks like if you de aged either of the George Bushes, and then burned them really badly. Hey, yeah, run that by me one more time. <laughs> this this guy looks like if you if you took either George Bush Sr. or George W. Bush, and <laughs> you, you, like, de-aged them, like you made them into a young man, but then you burned them <laughs> really badly. <laughs> He's like a victim of, like, uh, like some very, like, uh, very tragic uh uh face deformation and then uh after after years of reconstructive surgery uh came back and then uh and then they came to a ripe old age of seventy and then uh and then got and then got reacted in the face. Yeah. <laughs> she looks like um you know <laughs> you know in uh, Indiana Jones at the end when the guy melts. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like like two frames in to when they were melting that clay model. Um, like if you had to if you got like all the best um sculptors uh alive, um and uh they had to create a, a face made out of uh, uh blobfish. Um but they had like a while to do it. Um, and, uh, yeah, and that's, uh, they, they make a handsome face, but, like, it's consistency, it's still blobfish. <laughs> it looks like if you took William S. Burroughs as an old man and then glued all the wrinkles of his face together <laughs> to kind of smooth him out. Yeah, he looks like a very taut Samuel Beckett. Yeah, he's super taut. He looks like he looks like uh, David Letterman's older brother. 
but like crazy. <laughs> David Letterman. David Letterman's older brother. <laughs> yeah. He looks like the estranged brother of the man who invented the comb over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he looks like he lives in a bowling alley. Looks like he sets the pins up with his teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Just as a personal challenge. Like he'll, he'll tie himself up. <laughs> which is also a challenge in and of itself. And then, uh, and then he'll just self-elect to like, you know, just put him up. He hasn't been here yet. <laughs> Um, which is a remarkable thing, but <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> he looks like he looks like he's working at like the last Walden Books in America in a mall that is closed except for the Walden Books. So he just goes to work every day in like an abandoned building, <laughs> and uh, and mostly teens just show up to like throw rocks at him. He looks like if a Marie <laughs> Calendar frozen pot pie was alive. It looks like he put all his money into stocks of, like, those additional erasers that you would put on top of your, uh, your yellow <laughs> city erasers. And then they would, you would put, like, a slight amount of pressure on them and they would, they would break immediately. He looks like he is either <laughs> invested in them or the trust fund child of that, of that agency. <laughs> He looks like he spent a lot of time booing Hank Aaron. He looks like he had a lot of spectacular ice cream. He looks like the little man. So the man and the woman uh, split up. Uh, the man, uh, you know, tells the tells his wife to to, to hide herself, to steal herself away, uh, which she does, and. Um, so, so yeah, so then it's just like a one-on-one chase, and then they go to, like, this train yard, which I thought was a really cool scene. Um, and Yeah, that was yeah. maybe my favorite moment in the yeah. movie, that, like... I really like his jacket, his, like, high-visual coat. Um, oh, my <laughs> God, I want it. It's, like, yeah. this <laughs> yellow leather with, like, a black pattern. It's, like, or no, it's just, a, like, a blue number three, or black number three. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, just, like, some, um, like, on, like, the elbow or, like, the shoulder in, like, a cool spot. And then doesn't he have, like, a, it's like a blue cap or something? Um, like, some blue thing. Um, but, I think you're uh, right. Yeah. yeah. There's this, uh, okay, so in the train yard, there's this one sequence that is so funny, and I, I'm curious to know <laughs> if you, if you like their Kanana as well. Um, but after after the shooting kind of stops for like a little bit, and they're kind of doing like that Scooby Doo kind of back and forth, you know, just turning the corner while the other one turns the corner. Um, there's this bit where uh, the detective is is like kind of going into like, like this openish area, um, and then we see his uh, his attacker um, kind of out in front of the bus, and then it cuts back to the guy. And now the attacker is behind the wheel of one of the buses, and he just turns on the lights, <laughs> like freaks out, and then cut back, and the guy's outside of the bus already, and he's like shooting at him. <laughs> yeah. And it's like it's all style because it doesn't make a great deal of sense that you would do no. that in a chase scene, no. No. but it looks 
so good. Like, but you're right. It's like, I didn't notice that the first time I watched it. Um, and then, um, like, I, like, wanted to watch that scene again before we sat and recorded. And now I'm watching it for a third time. And, yeah, it's hysterical. Because <laughs> he, like, he runs for a while after he sees the lights turn on. It's like he gets a couple bus, he gets, like, a bus length. Yeah. And then the guys, and then it's especially funny in the context of like when he turns the tables and he starts chasing the man in the yellow jacket. The man in the yellow jacket yeah. like disappears into a room of people <laughs> in identical jackets. So now to think about like the train scene, it's like oh, there were just like ten of that guy in the train yard. <laughs> That's the only way. Whoa. <laughs> I don't, but yes. <laughs> like that, I, I choose to, but it doesn't seem likely that that's what we're supposed to glean from the situation. Yeah, yeah. All, like the room full of people in like the same coats was so funny. Yeah, that was like, I, I, I literally like laughed out loud on that on that part. That was my good thought. Yeah. Well, and too, I just love that like, even before you get to that reveal, just the fact that like, they get out of the train yard, they're in public, and then they both just turn around. And now suddenly, <laughs> the American is the one doing the chasing to, to try out, you know, walk a mile in each other's shoes. So yeah, you like it. It's such an emotionless, like, shift of power. It was just like kind of like a, it was like a paint-by-the-numbers, like, exchange of power. Like, a, like, all right, well, now I'm on the run. Um, as if they like played like this like game of tag or something, and uh, yeah, all he had to do was like go up to a group of people, like, "Hey, this guy's coming down with a gun," and the guy's like, "I don't see a gun," and um, that was the end of that conversation. But now, <laughs> now the other guy's on the run. I don't know. I like to imagine that when they started filming that, they had planned for the American to disappear into a room full of people with like brown leather jackets and khaki pants and curly black hair. And then they were like, <laughs> they were like, well, wait, why would that happen? <laughs> and they were like, oh, well, how do we, like, A, let's return all these brown jackets. <laughs> B, how do we, how do we get the yellow guy? And then we'll just, oh, he'll, he'll just start chasing him. And be like, yeah. Well, why? And be like, well, he's in public now. You can't yeah. get murdered in public. I, I would have loved like some uh, some kind of stitching of the two, um, where they had somehow like bought like both like uh, extra costumes for like the duplicates for the for the man, and then also the uh, the cop chaser attacker. Um, so, yeah. uh, so the the writer stumbled upon the room of like all the bright jacketed men, and then the the bright jacketed man. Uh, stumbles upon like all the all the brown coated guys, and, uh, <laughs> and then they kind of, then they kind of uh, face each other, face off each other in like a very like kind of West Side Story sort of fashion. Um, do we want to get to the to that scene um, that uh, that we both um, that really kind of showcases how uh, how women are, uh, are are seen in the eyes of this genre as far as uh, their utility. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, that was probably, like, the thing that frustrated me the most out of this whole movie. Um, the last thing I wrote was just uh, women. Yeah, let's get into it. The very end is, is, uh, is another frustrating scene with the, with the woman, but um, I guess so. Without a doubt, this is the uh, the scene where um, the model is, is home alone in the apartment. Um, correct. And the, uh, the attacker, uh, is seen at the bottom of the stairs and she runs and retreats and, uh, locks the, uh, locks the apartment door behind her and, uh, just kind of holds herself up there. And, uh, what seems to be her strategy, um, for self-preservance in the face of this, um, Obstacle of this uh, this lethal kind of adversary uh, closing in on her is to shriek a bunch, um, kind of, and then she sort of like lie down into a, a, a fog of hysterics, um, <laughs> and, and uh, her physical capacity dwindles to about like ten percent of what it was originally, uh, as well as all of her mental faculty. Uh, and there's a moment, there's a moment where it seems like she's like, where it seems like the scene's about to turn itself around, and she gets her bearings, and she like checks the phone, but of course the the phone line's been cut. Mm-hmm. But even then, and then so it goes back into the hysterics, and then and then there's another moment where like Argento teases you, and he's like, oh no, she's figured out the window. Okay, she's got it. And, but then there are bars on the window, and then so she just totally gives up. Well, like the attacker is like. Honestly, similar to the the wire woman scene in Suspiria, where it's just someone like with a knife trying to get through a fairly thick door. Yeah, it's like it's like man, like I think I think everything's actually okay for a little bit. <laughs> like I like imagine if you're that attacker and your job is to like you're on a time sensitive you know uh, you know scale here. And your job is to, you know, it, it, it with a knife that is going to undoubtedly get duller by, you know, the minute because you're stabbing through a very thick door. <laughs> right. And uh, you have to, it's a very well-bolted door. That's a good door. And um, another moment when she, like, it seems like she's about to get it together, then she, like, tries to get the dresser going kind of tries it for, like, maybe, like, a minute and then just, like, collapses into a puddle in the middle of the floor. And yeah. she kind of goes with that strategy for about 30 minutes. <laughs> just, like, a puddle. You're right. The, the dresser was, like, actually the solution to her problem. Yeah. And then she kind of... You know, you just barricade yourself with the dresser. Yeah. And then, like, the, this person only has a knife and, like, it's a heavy door. You know? Yeah. I, and that dresser was huge. It's hard to it's hard to imagine what what was what was going through. Okay, um, almost even more disturbing than all of that is shortly after. It's, it's a little bit of kind of some janky scene cutting out of it because um, we don't see uh, uh, the you know uh, the attacker hears a noise and kind of skips off, um, and and then we just kind of uh, we cut to when she she like comes to. And um, and then the tone is just completely shifted. Uh, they're all kind of just laughing about it. Uh, yeah. 
absolutely out of her wits, like, I'm about to die. And then uh, what happens is, uh, so they're going, she's conscious all of, like, a couple minutes. I don't even think the guy is like, are you okay? Can you tell me what happened? Um, yeah, there's no, like, touching base about it. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, like, and there's, and there's not even, that. like, in a callous way. He just, like, kind of doesn't acknowledge it. Yeah. <laughs> but Which I guess is the most callous. I was, like, a good humor about it. Like, she just seems to be, like, in good in good spirits about the whole thing. Uh, the guy that they've hired on, um, and, like, just, like, you know, playfully puts his eye into the hole, just like the killer did, which I thought would be, like, a triggering thing, but apparently was just, like, a kind of a tongue-in-cheek, like, hey! And uh, they welcome him, him in like he's an old friend, even though they've met him twice, and he's, like, a hiring, hired, shady, shady guy. Uh, <laughs> Who, like, at this point, the only thing he's done is, like, introduce them to a pimp in jail. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like... <laughs> he like wasn't also like also wasn't a pimp. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my god. That was a good character. I thought he was a good character actor. He he was uh yeah. He was oh he was hysterical. Yeah yeah he just like kind of skips in and everyone's just like laughing like they're talking over brunch. Like nobody right. the fact that like she was she was probably gonna die out of like a heart attack regardless of like. You know, if the killer came in, and then it's just like, and stuff like that, like, kind of scares me. Like, that, like, that's a scary thing to me. Like, that's not, I don't know if that's, like, that's something that I don't think is intentionally scary, but, like, it scares me. It, it puts me off kilter. Um, yeah, you know, you'd mentioned that when we watched Inferno, too, like, the, the lack of, like, emotional follow-through being, like, as unsettling yeah. as anything else. And you're you're right. It's like, it has like this like, sort of like unreality, like fever dream thing to the whole, exactly. to all the proceedings yeah. that are just, and it also adds a little bit to the, the like inherent sexism of just how like frantic all of the women are. That like, they're so frantic and then like, the next morning, yeah. like, it's not even worth talking about. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like... Yeah. You see, honey, if you had just, uh, you know, breathed and done your, you know, your uh, your Kegels, you know, nothing would, uh, nothing would be so bad. <laughs> well, you wouldn't have even seen the killer if you'd, if you'd been cleaning up around the house. <laughs> you wouldn't have even seen him coming if you'd been cleaning like you... Honey, honey, wake yeah. up. Honey, honey. Why aren't you mopping? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Honey, that sounds so scary. Why didn't you fix the door? <laughs> we move out in, like, a couple days, honey. That is my security deposit. <laughs> I have to go talk to a painter. You need to fix this shit. He didn't even, oh, he didn't even fix me any food. God, so help me. I hope somebody doesn't offer me some unconventional meats. Otherwise, I might... I might be tempted. It's interesting, too, though, and, and you touched on this a little bit. And we, we talked about this, I feel like, in Inferno 2, where it's... And it's odd, because Suspiria doesn't quite have the same thing going for it. But, like, part of me wants to defend Argento with, like, the... Well, yes, yeah, some of the women just scream and lay on the floor, but, like, 
spoiler alert, the twist of this movie is that the, the bad person's been a woman this whole time. Mm-hmm. But, like, she still doesn't seem like she has a great deal of agency. And in Inferno, it's like, it's the same thing. Where it's like, the women don't have any agency except for, like, the main bad woman who's doing all of this. Yeah. But at least they're, like, a little more fleshed out. And then in Suspiria, it's like, I think the every character is ridiculous, but, like, you yeah. know, the there are, as, there are, nobody's competent in that movie, but the closest to competent is, like, you know, the the woman. So, so that one, mm-hmm. yeah. Argento can tell stories where yeah. women have, like, are capable of doing things. But Bird with the Crystal Plumage isn't one of them. Yeah, definitely <laughs> of, the, of the three. Suspiria um, definitely gets the, uh, the, the feminist award uh, for uh, greatest service to women in a film uh, <laughs> um, by, uh, by any Italian director. Um, by a right. large He just really <laughs> did the service. Um, no, um... Yeah, it, uh, that, that kind of made me realize, um, now that you say it, um, is that, um, uh, you know, again, at the, at the end, uh, the, 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 the twist here is that, um, the woman who we thought was the victim at the beginning, um, turns out to be, um, the, the mastermind and, uh, the, the, the sick mind behind, uh, all the, all the stabbings and, uh, and everything who had, uh, also got her, uh, her husband, um, in on it, and um, all this stemming from uh, emotions triggered by that painting. Uh, so the painting seems to be the inciting uh, thing that sets the woman off on this, this killer rampage. And well, and because the the painting depicts like a real event that happened to her, right? Right. Yeah. So she was. Um, I don't know if it was like a real event. Um, but it was uh she w- she had been attacked as uh like in like a younger younger age and i don't know if it was depicting exactly that but uh it seemed to um kind of trigger and awaken those those sensations and uh she was uh you know identifying with the attacker in that um uh in that painting and so kind of took it on but um uh yeah as far as um this this woman has all the power throughout the movie when we don't know that she's a woman. But once it's masked, <laughs> once once she's once she's unmasked and we see she's a woman, she gets really stupid real quick. Um, <laughs> and and she yeah, I I it was one of the most frustrating things. Just like. Her at the end where she's just like, she's not even engaging in conversation. She's just like, right. laughing like an idiot. And, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, but at least she goes from this, like, yeah. this serial killer who, like, turned a witness from one of her, like, from her, one of her attempted murders into, yeah. like, you know, the evidence of her, like, innocence. So she's like manipulated everyone for the whole movie, and then like she laughs like a like a villain in a Scooby Doo feature. <laughs> and there's there's it. a lot of Scooby Doo elements in this. Like, yeah, I will say, yeah, um, yeah. This is this is 
basically a Hanna Barbera. So now that uh now that we've we've talked about a good portion of uh of the bird with the crystal plumage, where do you rank it in uh oh, in the Argento movies we've seen? So this is very good question. Very good. This is the third. You'd mentioned the ranking earlier, and I want you to answer first because I. You know, Manny and I have talked about this, and I, mm-hmm. I still don't quite know where I put it. So, right. so I'm curious. Yeah. Well, um, there's there's a lot that I do appreciate about this movie. Uh, I do. Uh, there's not there's not a one that I, I that I regretted uh, uh, watching at all for a second. Well, maybe not for a second. Um, <laughs> they weren't they weren't like on the edge of my seat for like absolutely every part of it. <laughs> <laughs> there's certainly some dead air in there. Um, and, uh, absolutely, uh, uh, could stand to, uh, have some, uh, uh, somebody on set who's like, hey, um, you know, women are people too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that would have helped. <laughs> uh, so I, as much as I appreciated this movie, uh, and, uh, if I was to rank it on a title alone, this would get first place. It uh it's it's gonna come up last for me uh of the okay. so I'm gonna go uh the bird with the crystal plumage. Um uh, between Suspiria and Inferno I I'm really uh it's gonna be pretty neck and neck. So so one trouncing over the other in this doesn't really quite mean a lot today. I do kind of put them in the same uh, a really crappy Um, I, I think I had a better time with Inferno though, so I'm gonna go, um, number one, uh, Inferno, uh, number two, Suspiria, and number three, uh, The Bird with the Crystal Plumage, uh, is how it's gonna stack up for me. I think Suspiria is probably like more of a technically well-made movie, but, um, I think, I think just uh, the, uh, the drowning of the cat and the rat scene in Inferno was just so delightful. Um, and there's just such a, such an out there quality to it. I think, I think Inferno takes it for me just out of my own sheer enjoyment of it. I think that's fair. I think, um, yeah, man, it's so tough. I, I like all of them a lot. Right. Sophie's Choice, man. Sophie's Choice had a triplet. You got a gun to your head of all these movies. (laughs) The killer broke into the house and has a gun pointed at the the movie cases. (laughs) Okay, you know what? I think... Okay, so despite the, like... The, the ways in which the, the women in Bird with the Crystal Plumage are written in like a, a lazy and reductive way. Like, that's a, like that's a, that's a pretty big like detractor of the writing of Bird with the Crystal Plumage for me. But plot wise, I think it might be stronger and a little more lucid. Than say Inferno or or Suspiria. Oh no doubt, yeah. Like in terms of like just a, you know, like in terms of like a structured story. Yeah. I think in terms of like 
hey, like, I'm able to describe this to a friend. Yeah. Yeah, which is interesting because character-wise, I think it might be the weakest. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah. that's an interesting one. And then visually, like the the chase sequence, the scene of the painter's house, and then the mm-hmm. end where uh, where they're chasing through the, the art gallery and yeah. she pushes the statue on him and there's that scene where he opens the door and the the rest of the room is dark. So it's just mm-hmm. him like framed against the open. You know, those scenes I liked as much as anything in in the other two movies we've seen. Mm-hmm. It's not like... And all of Argento has those like each of the ones we've seen so far, anyway, have have a a couple sequences that just stand out as some of the coolest things I've like seen in recent memory. Yeah. Um, but for me, maybe it goes Suspiria, Bird with the Crystal Plumage, Inferno. Oh, okay, okay. Which you racked up pretty uh, pretty differently, right? Yeah. Which isn't to say that I disliked any of them. I think yeah. my problem with Inferno. It's like it was really fun to watch, but like I think well like the well, the thing I like about Inferno is maybe also what makes it the weakest is that it's like it's all madness, yeah, like there is no through line in Inferno except for like this house is like where the bad woman lives, right. Yeah, and even that is like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't even know which woman is the bad one at the end. Of the yeah, <laughs> I know one of them is bad. It is like it's all sides. 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 All sides. 